Exodus 11 and 12, the tenth and final plague, the Passover. Just as God passed over the Israelites because of the blood of the Lamb on their doors, so God has passed over our sins because of the Lamb of God, who is, of course, Jesus Christ. Just as the Passover saved the people from bondage in Egypt, so also the Lord's Supper saves us from the bondage of sin. And so as we go through the lesson of the Passover, this, we always want to connect our Sunday school lessons and point the kids ahead to Jesus, but especially with the Passover, this is the quintessential sign of the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament. What is the Passover, or rather I should say, what was the Passover to the Israelites? It is, of course, a reminder of how the angel of death passed over the houses of the Israelites. And so the name itself tells us exactly what it is that they are celebrating. How the angel of death passed over their houses and did not kill the firstborn. And how the Lord saved the Israelites from the Egyptian and brought them out of the land of Egypt into the promised land just as he promised but even as it is a looking back on what god did in the land of egypt so also it is a looking forward to how he would truly save his people from bondage of sin and how he would bring us out of this land of sin and into the promised land of heaven and how he we the angel of death would pass over us because of the blood of jesus christ Therefore, the Passover was a looking back on what happened in Egypt and also a looking forward to the coming of Christ. It was a celebration of what happened, but it was also a precursor to the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is a precursor to the feast that waits in heaven. Just as the Passover is both a looking back and a looking forward, so also the Lord's Supper is as well a looking back on the salvation that is ours because Jesus died and how the Lamb of God, which is Jesus Christ, how his blood causes the angel of death to pass us over. The Lord's Supper is also a looking forward to the festival of the Lamb that waits for us in heaven. Just as the Passover was a precursor to the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is a precursor to that feast in heaven. Just as the Lord's Supper is the fulfillment of the Passover, so also the feast in heaven is the fulfillment of the Lord's Supper. All of these things are intimately tied together in Scripture. And just as the Passover then was the most important and central festival for the Jewish people, so also the Lord's Supper is for us, uh, the fulfillment of what they had. John 1.29, of course, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is quoted from John the Baptist, who, and that is how John the Baptist that's all he has to say about Jesus when Jesus comes. All that John has to say about him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in those few words, he points out that this is the Messiah who was the fulfillment of the Passover and was also the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement, uh, the one who had come to give the greater Passover to his people. The Israelites were going on a long journey, so the Exodus 11 and 12 emphasize how they plundered Egypt. 
the Lord knew that they would need money for this journey. They would need goods for this journey. And the Lord provided for his people all that they would, he, they would need. He told the people of Israel to ask from their Egyptian na- neighbors articles of gold and silver. And the audacity of that is, is quite staggering. Uh, up to this point, the Israelites had been slaves and the Egyptians wouldn't even let them leave. But now they're supposed to ask from their neighbors, oh, not only are we going to leave and no longer be your slaves, but we'd like you to give us gold and silver for the journey. But the power of God was with them and accomplished this among the Egyptians. God moved their hearts so that they did do this. And of course, part of the way that God moved their hearts of the Egyptians was just the terribleness of the plague, this final plague that came upon the Israelites. Not only would they let the Israelites go, but they would drive them from Egypt, God says, uh, the Bible says. And so the Israelites, or sorry, the Egyptians were so and so upset and so sorrowful, as we can understand, over what happened, that they did indeed drive the Israelites from the land of Egypt and gave them uh, the gold and silver that they had. And thus the, the Israelites left Egypt with the riches of Egypt, not having stolen them, but having been given them. Of course, later on, the Israelites were going to terribly misuse these gifts, which God had provided for them. And from the gold that they took from Egypt, they were to craft the golden the golden calf, which they worshipped as a false idol. So the, the terribleness of that sin, it's not only in that they worshipped a false idol, bad enough in and of itself, but that they used this gold, which God had given to them from the land of Egypt, in order to do that. We'll talk more about that uh, in one of our upcoming stories. The Egyptians were to lose the firstborn, the firstborn of every house, not only of the the humans, but even of the animals. Uh, the firstborn of every house in the Bible emphasizes that, that there was not a house in Egypt where death did not come to it. This was especially terrible. I mean, it's bad enough to lose a son, but it was even worse because the firstborn was the heir. He was the one who was to provide for the family and especially for the, the mother if the father passed away, which men often did die sooner uh, than their wives. And he was the one who was supposed to take care and provide for that mother and for the the whole family uh, if they needed it, if there were children left in the household. He was also the one who was to be the family priest, again, after his, his father passed away. And in the case of Pharaoh, the firstborn was considered the son of a god since they considered their pharaohs to be gods. And we talked about that last week. So this was, again, a direct assault by the Lord, the one true God, upon the false gods of Egypt and showing his power over them and how they were false. And the promises of these false gods were empty and useless because the true power was from God. Notice that when Moses left the presence of Pharaoh, he was angry. He was angry with Pharaoh. The Pharaoh still refused to listen and to repent. Moses probably knew Pharaoh personally. From when Pharaoh was a child, Moses grew up for 40 years, was in the house of Pharaoh, probably knew Pharaoh very well. Moses' anger is probably sorrow that Pharaoh simply will not listen. It can be frustrating to us also when people refuse to listen to God's word. We try and share God's word with them and tell them about the wonderful salvation and peace that we have through Christ and 
they just won't listen. That can be very frustrating and may, maybe even make us angry. But of course, we can't change men's hearts any more than, than Moses could. Oh, instead, we have to go to the Lord in prayer. Only the Lord can change hearts. And sometimes it takes a very severe judgment from the Lord, as we see here, before the hearts are cracked open. The Bible says the word of God is like a hammer which breaks the rocks in pieces. And of course, that's what it takes. It takes a hammer crushing the stubbornness of our sinful hearts before we learn to repent. One of the chief themes of the Passover was to be ready. Everything the Israelites were supposed to do was a reminder that they, the Lord was going to deliver them that night. And they were to be ready to leave. They were to be ready for that deliverance. Uh, there was to be no leftover of the lamb. They were supposed to choose a lamb that they could finish the whole thing. And if their house was too small to finish a whole lamb, then they were supposed to get together with some neighbors. You know, maybe if the, the house was only two or three people and maybe go find another neighbor with only two or three people so that you had enough people to finish the whole lamb. There was not supposed to be any left over because they were leaving. And of course, cooked meat doesn't, well, meat raw or cooked doesn't travel well. They were supposed to eat with the belts uh, on their waist and the sandals on their feet. They were supposed to eat with their staff in their hands. All of these things were against custom. You didn't come to the table with your shoes on your feet. You didn't come to the table prepared to leave with your robe and your staff in your hand. You, you set all those things aside. But this night they were supposed to eat with all those things on as a sign that God would deliver them and they were to be ready for that deliverance. And they were supposed to eat in haste, again, <clears throat> ready for God's deliverance. That's a reminder to us also that God is coming to deliver us and the Bible urges us time and time again to be ready. Of course, we have the parable of the ten uh, young maidens and five of them were ready with their lamps burning and bright and five were not and, and they were not able to enter into the the wedding festival uh, so god wants us to be ready and of course it's through faith in christ that we stand ready for the lord's deliverance the passover itself uh, was to begin was to be sorry on the the month of Nisan. It was not currently the first month of the year, but this was now to be the first month of the Jewish year, and it was the first month of the Jewish religious year. So just like us, the Jews had a secular year and they had a religious year. They had a, a church calendar, if you will, like we do. Our religious year begins with the first Sunday in Advent, which this year is November twenty seventh. But theirs was to begin with the month of Nisan. It used to be called the month of Abib, uh, but the name was changed to Nisan. Abib means ears, representing the, the ears of corn uh, that grew at that time, or not corn, but ears of grain, sorry. But now Nisan, the word Nisan is a word pointing them to this Passover. So this was to begin to be the beginning of the year. On the 10th day of Nisan, they were supposed to have chosen a lamb and have set it aside. And then on the 14th day, uh, they were supposed to sacrifice it, kill it, paint the blood on their doorposts and eat it on the 14th day. The festival of the Passover was to last for seven days in total. They were to choose a lamb that was older than eight days, but younger than one year. Of the first year is the way the Hebrew, sorry, of the first year is the way the New King James interprets the Hebrew, implying that 
the first year of its life, not once it was one year old, so not after its first birthday, but before. It was to be without blemish. It was to be of a size that could be completely eaten. God strictly warned that none of its bones were to be broken. This, of course, is looking forward to Christ. John, John 19.36 reminds us that not one of his bones was to be broken. It was to be roasted. God strictly forbade them from boiling or frying it. They were supposed to roast it on a spit above a fire. And it was to be eaten with unleavened bread and also with bitter herbs. The unleavened bread is, again, a reminder of the, of the fact that they were to be ready for a journey unleavened bread travels much better than does leavened bread just think of how much better crackers last in in your cupboard uh, than bread does how much longer it was also to be eaten with bitter herbs the bitterness of the herbs was to represent the bitterness of the egyptian bondage from which they were to be set free and also then a reminder of the bitterness of of sin from which god sets us free all of this, of course, was a looking forward to the coming of Christ. The Passover was, as I said before, the quintessential picture of Christ. There's a chart that I'll include in the email and on the website showing connections between the Passover and New Testament passages that show how Jesus himself fulfilled that Passover. Of course, I'll just go through them quickly here, but the actual references, again, will be in the email. Uh, this was to be the sacrifice of a lamb. Jesus was a lamb who was sacrificed for our sins. His blood causes the angel death to pass over us, just like the blood of the lamb caused the angel death to pass over the Israelites at that time. The lamb was to be without blemish. Uh, Jesus himself was spotless, without blemish, without sin, that is, and therefore the perfect sacrifice for our sins. The whole assembly shall kill their, their lambs at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost on the lintel of the house. So we already talked about the, the blood of the lamb. <clears throat> they shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire. And, and as we mentioned before, they shall not break any of its bones. So all these things are fulfilled in Christ. Notice also that no stranger shall eat of the Passover. That was strictly forbidden. However, the Bible goes and explains that by stranger, it means anyone who was not circumcised. Those who were circumcised were then no longer considered strangers, but part of the people of God. Those who were circumcised could join the Israelites, the native Israelites, in the celebration of the Passover. The Passover was only for the people of God. <clears throat> we have those circumcised. We have, uh, in a similar way, we have baptism, which takes the place of circumcision, and we have the Lord's Supper, which takes the place of the Passover. Just as only those who, by faith, accepted the circumcision, the gift of God declaring them his people, were to partake of the Passover, another gift from God. So also now in the New Testament, we are to receive the first circumcision of our hearts through baptism, by which we are declared to be the people of God. Then we partake of the Lord's Supper, the gift which he gives to us in that second sacrament. Later at the at, later in the history of the Israelites, and especially at the time of Jesus, Jesus, the Israelites were super careful to carry out all the commands that the Lord had given with regard to the Passover and in other areas as well. For example, they would go to great lengths to make sure not a single crumb of leaven was anywhere in the house. One commentator 
mentions how they were, there were three different times during the day when they would go through the house. And, and first, the kids would be warned to make sure not even a crumb of bread was left in the house. Then the whole family would go through the house. And then especially the father would later on that day take a candle and go through every inch of the house, searching even the cracks for even the smallest crumb of bread, which might have leaven in it, and removing it from the house. So later on, they, they were super careful to, to make sure that not a single piece of leaven was in the house as God commanded. There shall be no leaven in the house. But the problem, however, was that in their legalistic view of the Passover, they forgot its true meaning. They were super careful to observe the command, but they were not super careful to understand that the Passover was a pointing forward to Christ. They saw the commands, but they didn't see the meaning. And so for them, the Passover became just an empty ritual uh, instead of a instead of a thing of faith looking forward to the salvation which was to come. And of course, we need to be careful as well that we see Christ and all the rituals that we do at in church, that they're not just empty rituals by which we pay lip service to God, but are a reminder to us of how Christ died for our sins and the salvation that is to come. Some Sunday school teachers have gone so far as to reenact the Jewish Passover meal, or at least bring in some of what they would have eaten to show the kids. If you can do that, of course, that's a, a great way to, to get the kids involved, uh, bring in a sample of lamb or unleavened bread or, or a bitter herbs and, and share that with the kids. Of course, you probably shouldn't bring wine in and share that with the kids, uh, but uh, some of the other stuff you, you could as well if you have time and opportunity. Let me know if you have any questions. The Lord bless your Sunday school lesson this Sunday.